With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. My guest uh, has not pitched up, so I am going to have to fly solo today. I had no idea that he was unable to make it. There was some balls up in the in the communication channel, and uh, unfortunately, uh, you're going to have to just listen to my voice for the next hour. So I'm going to ask that you send me an email, uh, message me in the live chat, engage with me, um, help me along a little bit. I uh, tend not to do all the talking on my show. I am more of a fan of uh, of listening to my guests and learning and, um, and uh, battling ideas that way. Um, I'm not terribly good at battling ideas. <laughs> uh, send me an email, Jim Warfare, uh, at tntradio.live. That is my email address. I'll have my inbox open throughout the show. So do drop me a message. Um, so I was going to be chatting today to uh, Andrew Wilson, uh, who's going to become a regular on my show, but he's apparently away or on some road trip. I had no idea. Um, and uh, we were going to be chatting about... Um, well, culture wars. Culture wars is something that I'm definitely going to be focusing on a bit over the coming months. Uh, people tend to ignore it. It's a very important part of of our, our of our lives. Um, we we focus so much on geopolitics. You know, Middle East, Middle East, Ukraine, uh, elections. This is all politics. But at the end of the day, politics is downstream from culture. You know, a culture is tightly linked to one's identity. And um, identity is pretty much uh, the, it's the thing that defines us. And um, we are defined by obviously our identity and by extension, the things, uh, the vectors around that, which makes you an individual such as your family and your community your friends, uh, your your traditions, your belief um, system. These things define us. Uh, and only after that, politics becomes an issue. You know, for example, if you vote either Republican or Democrat, uh, your vote is largely determined by your cultural value system. Uh, you know, you're more likely going to align with the sort of traditional or the legacy understanding of of a conservative uh, if you in America and you vote for um, the Republicans. You see, so it, the, your political position doesn't determine your culture. It's the other way around. So culture is extremely important, but it's something that I um, am guilty of not spending enough time on. And I'm going to be doing more of that in the coming months and Andrew Wilson is going to be one of those guests who's going to engage with me on that. He's very, very good on culture wars, uh, exceptionally good on um, on patriarchal matters and feminism. Uh, he's very good. You must check out his, his channel on YouTube. He engages in many, many debates and um, he, uh, he's just got a, a really refreshing way of thinking. I've got the live chat open and I want to say hello to those who are um, sending messages already. Um, I wouldn't add my name to that propaganda if I were, oh, sorry, that's not for me. 
Um, <laughs> Germ, you hear from guests all the time about what problems the world has. You always look for the silver lining and answers. We appreciate that so much. I'm sure you'll come up with silver lining to your guest not showing. Well, yes, Catherine, um, <laughs> there's always a silver lining. And uh, the silver lining is that I get to practice. <laughs> I get to practice talking to you. <laughs> That's the silver lining. You see, I'm a very big fan of not being a victim. One of the one of the downfalls, I think, of of the last few years, particularly the COVID era, is that a lot of people around me, and I'm sure around you, and let me know. Send me, as I said, send me an email. Tell me what you think, and tell me if you agree. But something that I noticed is that a lot of people fell into that trap of. They're, they're coming for us. The pharmaceutical companies are too, they're too powerful. You know, they're going to take away our jobs or if it's CBDC or digital ID, oh, they're, they're going to destroy it. Um, they're going to destroy everything about our lives. They're going to, uh, they're going to violate our privacy and they're going to invade in our personal space. And that is what they want to do. But you don't have to let them. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm all about not being a victim. I'm all about winning. I hate, hate losing. And, um, and I think w a winning attitude means number one, not being a victim. You can, you, it's difficult to push back against things like digital ID and CBDC, but Hey, I didn't get vaccinated. My wife didn't get vaccinated. I didn't even get a PCR test. All right. The pressure was so, so strong on us to get a PCR test. Um, first and foremost, I refused, outright refused. I did everything in my power not to have that thing shoved up my nose. I did no tests whatsoever. Okay, so I got sick maybe once or twice during the COVID era, you know, a, a cold or something to that effect. Uh, was it COVID? I don't know. I don't believe that COVID is anything other than just a rebranding of flu. And I don't believe that flu in itself is necessarily contagious uh, through some sort of viral pathogen. Uh, pathogen. Um, so when people said, oh, uh, have you got COVID? My answer was, I don't know. And I refused also to get a vaccine. There was a lot of pressure on, on me to get a vaccine, but I wasn't going to be victimized. And I came out on top and now I look back with a smile. Sure, it was difficult. Um, to, to, to speak out, I lost a lot of work. I lost a huge amount of income. Um, in 2020, I was on the bones of my bum. But I did not want to have that stupid toxic concoction injected into my arm. You know, at what cost? I would, I would rather lose my income, which is precisely what I did. You know, and, and I... And I think I have come out a winner in that particular fight. And I'm sure there are many of us uh, who have come out as winners in this particular fight. Um, and I understand, I understand that there were many people who did get injected. There were many people who, who weren't, um, they weren't sure of their future if they weren't going to get injected, for example, you know, they, I understand people have got home loans to pay and bills and all sorts of things. And you end up, you end up weighing up the pros and the cons and you're trying to decide what is the right decision. And I'm not making a judgment on that. I, I've got friends 
uh, and I suppose extended family who did get the jab. Now, must I suddenly cut them off and be some sort of cult-like, um, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, blockhead and just reject them from my life? No, of course not. They had their reasons and I'm sure now they look back, at least hopefully they look back and and are ashamed of their decision and they have to live with that. Okay, that's their burden to carry. Um, someone says here in the comment, COVID is real, um, gassing by VOCs, no evidence left behind, hydrocarbon, mind lock, muscle lock, burn. Uh, no, I don't think COVID is real. Um, sorry. Um, it's just a name that was given to um, a set of uh, symptoms that were not new, right? This is what the pharmaceutical industry does. It has a history of creating uh, diseases um, that don't exist, but it needs to create products. So let's just pretend for a second, you want to, um, you want to bring out a new drug, but you have nothing uh, for the drug. So you create, you just come up with the name of a disease. You say, well, these are the symptoms and here's the drug, bingo. You've created a, a fake, a fake um, illness and now you've created a product for it, and then you go into a big marketing drive. You think I'm talking nonsense. I interviewed um, Professor Lehman McHenry from, I think it was California, California State University. Get his book, it's on Amazon. It's called uh, The Illusion of Evidence-Based Medicine. It's an excellent book. And in it, he exposes what Big Pharma has done in terms of creating fake illnesses fake diseases, and then creating products for those fake illnesses, fake health issues. Um, there was this one that had to do with Merck, and I forget now the uh, the story, but it's in his book. They What they did was they created their own um, journal, right? So they created their own journal, hired staff for their journal, and then had the staff, their scientists in, or, or, or who work for that journal, to, to peer review their own products. And of course, then it gets published and everyone goes, look, this is, this is peer reviewed science. And uh, so therefore it's good science because it's peer reviewed. And, and, so, and so what happens is that you end, up, you end up with a pharmaceutical company that has its own journal with its own scientists peer reviewing its own products and then putting its own products, which is peer reviewed onto the market and everybody believes it. And they spend millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars doing this. And it happens over and over and over again. Um, so I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that the majority of health problems that we have today are not as many as uh, we are told. We just have different names for different sets of AIDS. There we go. AIDS is a wonderful example. And in fact, this isn't some sort of esoteric scenario that I'm giving you. Um, Bobby Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci, right? Is, is He completely exposes the HIV AIDS scam. And I've interviewed David Rasnick, who is a biochemist of, what, 50 years or so. And he's openly stated that AIDS doesn't exist. Now, it exists in the sense that autoimmune issues absolutely um, arise, 
okay? But they're not, AIDS is not spread through a virus called HIV. And I would strongly recommend you to listen to or go and watch a documentary called House of Numbers. I think it came out in 2015 or 2016. Uh, you won't find it, I think, on YouTube. And if you do find it on YouTube, fantastic. But you more likely to find it on Odyssey. Um, it's called House of Numbers. And it's a brilliant, brilliant film about the AIDS scam. And now I live in South Africa, the heart of the, the so-called AIDS um, epidemic. In the late 90s, early 2000s, it was huge. You know, the, uh, in fact, our president at the time was recalled because of his comments where he, he publicly said that I don't think uh, HIV causes AIDS. Well, this caused massive outrage and you can well, well imagine what happened. The pharmaceutical industry got heavily involved and he was removed as president and replaced with another president. And, um, and his name was, or well, still is, Tabu Mbeki. And um, AIDS with capital letters doesn't exist, as David Rasnick explained. AIDS with lowercase letters exists, sure, because people do have autoimmunodeficiencies. But they're not caused by... Uh, you know, um, sex, that was the big thing. And, um, and it's a difficult conversation to have because it's what, 40, 50 years old, it's entrenched, it's entrenched in our minds that HIV causes AIDS. And if you think about it, I mean, Tarvin Becky, uh, as I said, our ex-president, you know, he's, he actually said that AIDS is a disease of poverty. And in many ways, he was right. Freddie Mercury, for example, supposedly died of AIDS. Now, Dr. Judy Mikovits, who appears in um, uh, Plandemic, which was uh, written and directed by Mickey Willis, who's also been on my show, uh, she was crucified for, for going against the pharmaceutical industry. And she, she said on my show that Freddie Mercury did not die from AIDS. He died from AZT. And AZT was an antiretroviral drug, which was initially a chemotherapy. Um, and he was given 1500 milligrams per day, which today is considered lethal. But he was in its first phase already in the 1980s. You combine that with, with his lifestyle that was debaucherous. He was, you know, taking a lot of drugs, he wasn't sleeping enough, he wasn't eating healthy, he was inside the whole time, he wasn't spending time in the sun. Everything about his lifestyle was unhealthy. Obviously, he was going to get sick. And then on top of that, he was given this very, very, very harmful, very toxic um, drug called AZT. You know, and when you think, when you think about how the pharmaceutical industry creates fake health issues and then creates products for those fake health issues you, you really really need to just take a moment and think about what is it that's going on here are you actually in need of that drug now obviously again i have to obviously put out a disclaimer and say i'm not a doctor and blah 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 but i myself for example was on antidepressants in 2020 and just before that I think that being on antidepressants was making me more ill. I was on um, 
proton pump inhibitors, PPIs, for um, excessive um, gastric reflux, you know, for, uh, you know, basically chronic heartburn. And I was not in a good space, you know. Getting off antidepressants was extremely difficult because they're highly addictive. And I don't know what they were doing for me positively. And um, I remember I sat down for lunch with Tim Noakes. And he's been on my show a couple of times. And in fact, I think Tim Noakes is on my show tomorrow. To ch- Oh, yes, he is. He's on my show tomorrow to talk about diabetes. And, um, and why we need to eat ketogenic, low-carbohydrate diets. I had lunch with, with, with Tim, I think it was in 2020. And uh, he said, get off all of those drugs immediately and start changing your lifestyle with what's on your plate. Well, I feel today way healthier. I haven't taken any medication in years. I don't even take antibiotics for anything. And neither does my wife. And I'm the healthiest now that I've ever been. I don't need to take pills to do things to my, you know, my brain. You know, that's what antidepressants do. And I don't need to take pills to regulate acid reflux. You can control that with, with diet. Um, so I think that people like Tom Cowan and Sam Bailey and Stefan Lanker and David Raznick and Andy Kaufman, and there's a whole host of these sort of like new medicine types. And, that, and that's not even new medicine. That's the irony. They're just refreshing what humans have known for thousands of years. You know, but it's been so blurred and tainted by the pharmaceutical industry that you need a pull for everything. You know, and I mean, Sam Bailey, for example, um, is one of the people who very, very dramatically altered the course of my health for all, all, for all the right reasons. And she is a doctor, or she was. I think she's had her license revoked. I must chat to her again. But the point is, is that once you remove the toxins and the poisons as much as possible from your life, you just suddenly default to a far healthier position. Your starting point is so much better, you know? Anyway, where was I going? I've kind of gone off on a tangent here, and I had a, I had a point <laughs> about 10 minutes ago. Uh, let me just quickly go to the comments. Maybe, maybe I'll get uh, reminded. Uh, making their own homework. No, I don't know what that's about. It's a mind virus. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, so COVID was, I think, a mind virus, you know, group think. You know, people did, however, get sick with something or another. But I think that that's no different to what happened before 2020. People got sick in 2019. People got sick in 2011. (laughs) People have always been getting sick. No, germ, but you see, this time it was different. Well, what was different? You, loss of taste. Well, people have always lost their taste. Loss of hearing. People have always lost their hearing. I mean, loss of smell. People have always lost their smell. There's nothing, there was nothing, um, uh, what's the word, uh, atypical about the last few years. Absolutely nothing. You know, and if, if nobody had said anything, if the government had said nothing, if the WHO had said nothing, and life just carried on, I don't think anybody would have noticed anything different. You know? 
Catherine says, if we had been aware of the grift that was AIDS and done the work to expose the perpetrators of it, then COVID would have died. Yes, I and I think so too, Catherine. I think that AIDS kind of snuck in and it's now, it's, it's cemented, you know, it's cemented. It's difficult to, to uproot that tree, you know, and it's got so many branches now, you know, from, you know, entire, you know, uh, laboratories and departments at universities, you know, that are just dedicated to, to researching AIDS. There's so much money invested in it. Um, oh, Alex is reminding me to go to a break. Let me do that quickly. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio. Jesse Zerowell on TNT Radio. In Nigeria, it was reported that Nigeria launches mass HPV vaccination campaign to curb cervical cancer. And this jumped out at me because given what's happening in Palestine, it is another example of the seemingly never-ending brutalization of of vulnerable populations, to put it one way, whether through explicit means, like the slaughter that is occurring in Palestine, or through more discreet, one could argue, means like so-called vaccination, which is nothing but poisoning. Jesse Zerowell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. When a crisis hits, close to home and across the globe, Nonprofits are on the front lines, ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing, nurturing, rescuing, honoring, protecting, caring, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes, across all missions, has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you. Together, we change the world. The Nonprofit Alliance. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7, your news talk giant. TNT. I was getting carried away there before the break, and that's a good sign that I'm getting carried away. I'm not terribly good at these solo these solo conversations, but I'm glad that uh, that I've got some people chatting to me in the in the you know in the live chat and just making the conversation slightly more conversational. I was saying before the break that for me, culture and my immediate existence uh, is, is what defines everything else. When I say my immediate existence, I mean my habits and my sleeping and enjoying time with my wife, you know. Um, as, as you know, I was in the desert recently, you know, switching off for, for 10 days, having absolutely no idea what was going on in the world was Incredible. Okay, I did know one thing that was going on in the world, and that was the Rugby World Cup. Uh, there was no ways that I was going to even be in the desert and and not know what what the score was, and particularly because I was uh, I was lying in in the tent thinking I really hope that the Springboks are going to beat Australia so that I can laugh at Alex. 
<laughs> and it didn't happen. Australia, they played so badly anyway that they just got knocked out. Uh, it was England that, that became more of a concern. But anyway, I, going back to what I was saying, you know, when I came back to, to civilization, nothing had changed. <laughs> Israel was still attacking Gaza like it did before I left, you know, and, you know, America was still losing the war in Ukraine. <laughs> you know, nothing really changes. Uh, this just, it just shifts. The, 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 your focus just shifts. But what doesn't change also, and this is really, really important, is your identity. And, and I, I found that going into like true nature for, for a couple of weeks, just really forced me to, to, to hold the mirror up at myself and reconsider the things that are important in my life. You know, what's going on in the Middle East is not that important to me, quite honestly. I, I don't have a dog in, in that fight. I don't have a dog in any fight that happens basically outside of my own immediate inner circle, if, if I'm being blatantly honest. Um, we care, and I'm going to speak now on behalf of many people, but I'm going to say we care about what's going on in the Middle East and in the war zones and that sort of thing. We, we care only in the abstract, but we don't actually care, um, if that makes sense. I think it was, um, who was the comedian? I forget now. Uh, Alex, help me out here. Who was the comedian who did the seven naughty words? I've gone completely blank now. Um, the seven words you can't say on TV. Uh, what's his name now? Why have I gone blank? George Carlin. That's his name. George Carlin. He, he actually said that most people don't care about anything other than themselves, other, other than um, saying that they do because it's a, it's a type of signaling. You know, um, and if you think about it, he's right. You know, at the end of the day, you're still going to switch off the war in the Middle East to go and make supper. You know, you're going, to, you're going to go to the shop and you're going to buy chicken and ingredients or whatever, and you're going to continue doing your job so that you can pay the bills and all that sort of thing. Those things are more important. And you're also going to work on your relationship. I can guarantee you that um, if you have an argument with your wife, you're not going to care about what's happening in Ukraine. Um, and, that's, and that's part of holding up the mirror. Um, it's, it's, it's prioritizing the stuff that matters and the stuff that matters to me first and foremost um, are my health and of course my relationships with those who are close to me my family and then my friends and community um, it, it, it works sort of like imagine a dartboard all right and in the center in the center is you and those closest to you, and all the ideas and things that matter the most to you, they're right in the center. And as as the uh, dart, as you sort of move away from the bullseye, um, so you start adding in other things, you know, and as you go further out towards the outer skirts of the dartboard, that's where things like Ukraine and Israel come in. If you, and I'm, I'm asking you to be honest with yourself, because those things will be there even after you die. Life will continue. And globalists will carry on trying to control people en masse and all that sort of thing. Um, 
the idea then that I'm proposing is that you have to you have to find what matters. You've got to find your purpose. Wake up with meaning. Wake up with a smile. And wake up with more than just love. I don't think that's sufficient. Saying, oh, I'm, I'm happy and loving. It's, it's great, but it's not sufficient. I think having some sort of meaning and purpose for your, for your own life is what is sufficient. You know, and there's a reason why we are fighting against depopulation. Why do we feel the need to oppose depopulation? Why do we intrinsically desire bigger families and more people? Because that is part of the, the higher meaning, the, 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 shall we say, the, the godliness of our existence. You know, we're not merely animals that are living according to instinct. Um, uh, Paolo says hate the abuse well, I'm not quite sure what that's related to Catherine says if everyone did this we would write the whole world um, well hopefully far right the whole, the whole world Catherine <laughs> um, but I mean how do you uh, Jordan Peterson actually said it in, in, in his book 12 Rules for Life when he was still I think worth listening to I think he's gone a bit weird now but in 12 Rules for Life he said, you know, make your bed. And what what a great comment that is. It's just a variation of what we already know. But sort out your own cupboard before worrying about, you know, your wife's cupboard. You know, clean your cupboard. My cupboard is a mess. I'm currently, well, both me and my wife at the moment are going through a, a bit of a spring cleaning phase uh, where we're sorting out our cupboards and neatening everything up again. I need to tidy up and sort out my studio. It's a complete mess and um and these things help you you know you can't you can't fight the problems of the world when you yourself you know are a mess you you can't think about a war <laughs> imagine if all the soldiers in the front line had diabetes and were fat and smoked and uh, and only got two hours sleep and <laughs> you know and and had heartburn and uh you know, were, were sniffing and coughing the whole time. I mean, they would totally lose. If you're going to fight a war, you need to have the strongest soldiers. And in order to have the strongest soldiers, you need to have the right um, regimes for training and, and eating. So this is why it always it always seems so funny to me when, when, when people think that focusing on prepping and health and diet, you know, are are less important than focusing on Israel and Gaza. Yes, Israel and Gaza is, it's important, but it's important only in the abstract. You know, if another missile goes off this afternoon, it doesn't affect what I'm going to make for supper. Here, at least. If I live in Gaza, it will affect what I make for supper, but that's what I'm trying to say. So your 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 circle of influence is is what matters. Um, and this is part of, you know, your culture and your traditions. I happen to uh, live in a in a in a way that is conducive um, to to my kind of lifestyle. You know, I'm very grateful that I don't live in Gaza. I'm very grateful that I don't live in Israel, for that matter. And in many ways, I am grateful that I live on the African continent. In many ways, I wish, 
things worked better. And I, I wish thing, I often wish that there was less crime. South Africa has got massive amounts of farm murders, farm attacks. The world doesn't care because they're too worried about other stuff. But our white farmers are constantly under attack. And they've been killed. And I'm going to be chatting about that in about a week and a half's time here on TNT. We're going to be talking about farm murders in South Africa. Um, someone says, yeah, we were created to praise our creator. And I think that is that is a really, really great comment. Uh, it's a good comment. Because that praise can take many forms. It's not just sitting and singing songs with a guitar. It's living to the best of your ability. And I think it was Jordan Peterson again who said, uh, you know, live your life today in a way that's better than yesterday. Don't compare yourself to other people. That's one of the problems with modern society is that we end up comparing uh, ourselves to um, um, other people. You know, we look at Instagram, we look at Facebook and we go, ah, I wish my life was, was like theirs. And you end up getting depressed. You must compare your life to your life. Are you today a better person than you were yesterday? In some way, it can be it can be small, it can be microscopic, it can be atomic. In fact, there's a great book by, I think his name's James Clear. It's called Atomic Habits. And I strongly recommend reading it. You know, a, a tiny, tiny change can make the world a difference a year from now. You know, if if, if you want to stop swearing, for example, then tomorrow, if you don't swear tomorrow, but you swore today, and tomorrow comes and you and you and you look back at today and you and you think to yourself, well, I didn't swear today, and that was what you wanted to achieve, then that's an improvement on the day before. So it might seem small and insignificant, but it really matters long term. You know? So I think I think that these are the ways that we win. We win by by sorting out our own cupboards, you know, making our bed as, as Jordan Peterson said. You know, don't go to bed fighting with your wife or I don't know if you, sorry, if you, I keep saying your wife as if I'm talking to, to men, but you know what I mean, right? Okay. If, if you're a woman, then don't go to bed talking, uh, fighting with your husband. Um, I mean, I think it, if you wanted to use the Bible, you could even bring in something about, um, don't, you know, I don't know what the verse is, something about not letting the sun go down on your anger or something. I'm sure somebody can, uh, can uh, can can correct me there. Sorry, Catherine says, Jeremy, I think the reason that you're able to focus on things that work instead of worrying about things you can't control is because you have rejected the fear mongering and most people are still in that fear mentality. Yes, Catherine, I, I think maybe that's true. Um, but it it takes a little bit of training, you know. Um, it takes a bit of hard work. You have to train yourself to 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 not fear. Okay, hang on. Let me rephrase that. It's not about focusing on fear. It's not about focusing on not fearing because that's not the right strategy. I think the right strategy is focus on things that are productive, that are con that are that are constructive, things that are going to make you a better person, a better individual. Remember something. What Fauci says or what Klaus Schwab says might affect us long term but it doesn't affect us immediately. They have no power over us. And that's the other thing. When people get scared, 
they're giving their power of their own liberty, the, the power of their own critical thinking to somebody else or to something else. And you must never let that happen. And it's easier said than done, I understand, but you've got to train yourself. You have to wake up tomorrow morning um, and when you make your first cup of coffee, think about, think about the day, think about the things that can go wrong, think about what the globalists want to do to you, think about how they want to take away your privacy, think about all these things, right? Don't be naive, don't be ignorant. And then, once you've thought about them and think about what could happen, should you lose your privacy? Should you become unhealthy? Should you get sick because you're smoking too much? Or, I don't know, uh, get sick because you drink too much? Once you've thought about those things and considered and contemplated the negative effects that they can have on your life, you're then able to, to buffer against those fears. A very obvious one as well, if I smoke too much, I'm going to probably get cancer. Okay, then make an effort to smoke less. And don't blame, and don't blame everything and everybody else. There's no reason why you don't have the ability to smoke less if you do smoke. And smoking is bad for you, and I am going to judge you for smoking, because A, it stinks, B, I don't want to be around you if you smell like smoke, and C, your breath stinks. Like, there's no, what positive net gain do you get from smoking other than that nicotine release but it gives you no gives you no net gain at least with drinking <laughs> at least with drinking you you don't smell bad <laughs> you can still sit around the fire and 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 have a <laughs> and have a whiskey and laugh and tell jokes and not stink like smoking i just don't get smoking <laughs> i don't get it um anyway uh, the my, but my point is this is that just, my point is just make little changes. Make little changes. Oh no, Ivan says uh, partner, not wife, husband. Oh no, 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 no. No, when you say partner, oh no. Alex, doesn't that annoy you? You know, when someone says partner, you immediately think that they're gay. <laughs> this is my partner. <laughs> but I, in fact, my wife and I were talking about it a few days ago. You know, if you are an adult, but you're not married, but you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, you don't want to say, oh, this is my girlfriend, because you sound like a like a 16-year-old high school kid. <laughs> so you say partner, but the problem is, is that partner has its own baggage. <laughs> it sounds like you're in a gay relationship. <laughs> so, so I think a, a nice way to resolve that is get married. Then you can say my wife. <laughs> but the, the word partner, oh, what, oh man, I hate saying partner. Uh, your own germ theory is cool, yet the masters of mayhem are terrain monsters hurling toxins. Wow, that's quite poetic. I like that. Uh, although, what I'm speaking is germ theory, but it's germ with a J. Um, so there we go. That's a little little pun for you. Yes, training, disciplined, and purposeful living will change your course. Agree. And that's the point. You know, if you become too blackpilled and you become too nihilistic and too pessimistic and too negative, you will lose. And that, that sucks. Uh, and I mean, have you lost friends over this last few years? You know, has it, has it polarized you, your friendship circles, family circles, whatever? It has for me. But I think that there is a net gain also. 
uh, you you become like those you spend a lot of time with. So if you are constantly hanging around, uh, you know, um, surfers who smoke weed all day long, you will most likely become like them. And I think that's also important. You know, if you want to become successful in your personal life, if you want to be healthy, hang around healthy people. You know what I mean? If you are that, if you are that that one person in a group in a group of friends of let's say five friends, and they're all healthy and they're all they're all, you know, doing deadlifts and um, and eating very little sugar and keeping their their carbohydrate intake quite low and all that sort of thing. And if you're the only one who is a smoker, who's fat, who doesn't care about what you consume they're going to judge you and you're going to feel quite bad. And I think that's one of the benefits of going to a gym. Now, I personally don't go to a gym. Um, I stopped a few years ago because I got annoyed because I, I just didn't like getting to my car and driving to the gym and then waiting for a barbell and all that sort of thing. So I built my own. I, I bought, sorry, I, well, I don't say I built it, but I, I bought, um, you know, a bench press setup um, where I could do squats and deadlifts and, and um, you know all the usual stuff that I like, the strength training that I like doing, and it's in my garage now. That works for me, and and yes, it is harder to motivate yourself if you have a gym in your garage. But the point that I'm making is that if you go to a gym, by virtue of being in that gym, you will probably feel more motivated, and that's and that's I think the beauty of of getting into environments where you become more like the people that you want to be. It's very difficult for you to be um, a highly successful person. And when I say highly successful, I don't mean necessarily monetary. I mean um, health or whatever you define as highly successful. But if you want to be a highly successful person, what I've learned is that you need to spend more time around those people who are like that, if that makes sense. You know, I don't want to spend all my time around people who believe in vaccines. I really don't, uh, and and I find those sorts of people they're more often than not, and I'm talking about the ones who don't question things. But more often than not, they are the ones who who just blindly go with the flow. You know, when I had lunch with Matthias Desmet last month, uh, we we chatted about a whole bunch of different things, and um, I asked him. I said, Matthias, do you think that this thirty percent this because he, you know, he argues that around one third um, of um, of all people um, are awake at any given time, about one third. And uh, I asked him, I said, "Do you ever, you know, do you think that that will ever change?" Oh, wait a minute! Before I continue, I've got to go to a break. Let me let me continue that line of thought after this break. Sorry, Alex. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, congratulations, Australia. I see you are offering citizenship or at least visas to people from Tavula because of climate change sea rise. Now, over the last century, the oceans have risen about eight inches. According to the hysterics with climate change, we're expecting anywhere from 15 to 25 centimeters of rise over the next 10 to 15 years. 
So that would mean that the ocean would be rising about eight inches in the foreseeable future. And of course, that would have major impact on Tavuya. Now, let me just say something. One thing nobody ever seems to bring up is the more the ocean rises, the harder it is to get the same amount of rise. Now, think about it. If you have a small pot of water and you want it to, let's say, rise four inches, the amount of water you have to put in is less than once the water gets to that four inches high and you want to raise another four inches. So the fact is, is diminishing return on the sea level rise. But who am I to be getting in the way of people that are screaming and yelling about climate change? We heard a lot of these islands were supposed to be underwater now. Well, it's a good thing they're not, but apparently they will be. At least that's what the hysterics say. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished. Everyone deserves to live a full life. And with your help, together we can end hunger. Join the movement at feedingamerica.org slash act now. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I really do appreciate all the comments. Thank you uh, to everybody who's commenting and making my show a little easier. I don't normally do these solo shows, uh, so I'm not terribly good at at orating uh, for an hour straight. And uh, with all the great comments, it's given me lots of things to think about, and I really do appreciate all of it. I, I, I You know, if I sit just scrolling, then we're going to end up with dead silence. But, you know, I can only see them bit by bit. And so yes, one that says you have to be insane to get married in the UK if you are a male due to discriminatory UK divorce laws, unless she she has way more wealth than yourself. I have got no idea what you are referring to, but I I would still argue that getting married is better than not getting married. Um, and I remember when I when I did get married, it was just so much more fun to say this is my wife. You know, I hated saying this is my girlfriend. I enjoyed saying this is my fiance because it meant that we were going to get married. But saying girlfriend or partner just sucks. Like every time I said, this is my girlfriend, I thought that I was back in high school. And every time I said, this is my partner, I was worried that I was coming off as gay. You know, so, um, <laughs> Nuck says yeah, talk about the rugby. No, the rugby's done now. Uh, we can take a break from that. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll talk about it again soon. Uh, I'll just, emphasize the fact that the Springboks are the best rugby team in the world. And, um, you know, there's not much more to say other than that. <laughs> um, thanks, Jim, is my new fave. I'm not quite sure what that means. Oh, you're saying that you enjoy my show. I also enjoy my show. Thank you. Uh, don't sit in the seat of the scornful either. Yes, that is a, that is a wonderful, wonderful, is that a verse? Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Gee, that is a beautiful line. And it just really captures so much. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. So in other words, don't spend your time around a bunch of cynical, angry, pessimistic people. 
because you'll become like them. I love that. I love that. I've, that is, I'm going to copy and paste that line. That is a beautiful, beautiful line. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. With all that alliteration on the S, makes it sound even better. Uh, let's have a look here. Um, mean girls, no germ, you are giving advice right out of the Bible. Am I? Am I? Thank you, Catherine. I, I'm, I'm certainly, I, I didn't know. I don't have a Bible in front of me. Uh, but um, I'm just giving you my personal, these are just my personal thoughts. It's it's stuff that I've learned over the years. Uh, let's have a look here. I get the leaf tobacco. What I, I, what, I got whole leaf tobacco. It's an agricultural product, no taxes. I let it dry out, crash it. Oh, okay. So, I mean, look, smoking has been part of humanity forever, forever and ever and ever. Um, but it doesn't mean that you don't smell. <laughs> and... I don't know enough about smoking to to make a case for or against it because I just like pharmaceuticals and food I suspect that people smoking 500 years ago smoked something that was purer um, I think that cigarettes today are probably littered with all sorts of horrible toxins um, and, you know, I guess, I suppose you could probably make an argument uh, that was somewhat sympathetic to at least a purer form of smoking. I don't know. I, I don't, I just don't know enough about it. I'd love to actually maybe chat to someone, <laughs> someone who can tell me something about how the Vikings smoked. But nevertheless, I mean, people have also always drunk alcohol, you know, um, I do drink less alcohol now than I than I did. Um, I just think that um, it's probably healthier, but it's also it also gets expensive if you drink a lot of alcohol. But I do enjoy whiskey, um, and I do enjoy wine. And you know, I live in a province here in South Africa that has, I believe, around about three thousand farms just around my city. You know that, and and a lot of those farms are wine farms. My wife and I are constantly discovering new wines and new wine farms. And here in South Africa, our wine farms are amazing. I was in France in uh, 2019, and we went down to the south, and we visited a few wine farms. And France is famous for its wine and its wine farms, but I think there's a bit of marketing going on there because their wine farms were not as as nice as ours. And I'm not trying to be all like raw, raw, raw South Africa. We've got huge amounts of problems, but I do think that our wine and our wine farms are next level. And I haven't spoken to a single guest who's had South African wine who's disagreed with that. Although it was quite, it was quite funny, when we were in Amsterdam a few weeks ago, um, we went to a, into a bottle store, into a liquor store, and uh, we went to the wine section. The first thing we wanted to do was look for, for wine to have that evening. <laughs> and the very first bottle of wine that I saw uh, is South African wine. <laughs> and in, and more specifically, the farm, the name of the, the farm uh, is Simonsach, and that farm is about five minutes away from where I live. <laughs> and it was sitting in a in a in the liquor store in Amsterdam. Uh, it was quite funny. So I asked the girl behind the counter. I said, "Look, I, I want to buy a Dutch wine," and she said, "Well, you've come to the wrong place. We don't have wine, but you can get Spanish wine or." Or French wine or South African wine. I said, well, I didn't come all this way to to buy South African wine. Uh, Jim, I just 
spat my coffee out when you said it doesn't mean you don't smell. Um, oh, right. Oh, you, oh, right. You're referring to the um, to the smoking. You know, I I don't like it when I don't like it when 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 people smell. You know, like <laughs> don't smell. <laughs> it's not that difficult to have a shower. You know, um, and smoking makes you smell terrible. Sorry, there's no there's no there's no way around it. If you smoke, you smell bad, and everybody knows this, and that's why they, you know, eat chewing gum or something after after they've smoked. But it sits in your clothing, and I secretly judge you. You know, if you come into my house and you've, you know, <laughs> after having a smoke outside, obviously you smell, <laughs> and I'm and I'm quietly judging you like 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 a cat. You know, our cats quietly judge you. They sit in the corner of the room and they look at you and you know that they are judging absolutely everything about you. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We've all got our vices. I understand that. We've all got our vices. But the point that I'm making is that just try and be a better version of yourself than you were yesterday. And in that way, I think that Bill Gates and Fauci and Schwab, etc., will they will never defeat us. They will never ever defeat us. Come at me with your chemtrails. Come at me with, with your digital ID, with your CBDCs. Come at me with all of that. In actual fact, I'm very grateful that that they're telling us all these things. If they didn't tell us all these things, we wouldn't know that they're coming for us with those things, you know. So God bless them for actually giving us their their plans out in the open, because now we can find ways around it. <laughs> You know, and not be losers. We will never, ever, ever lose. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm always about winning. Always. Doesn't matter what the situation is, whether it's personal health, or whether it's the state of the world. I'm all about winning, and winning is the white pill. Winning is taking that information that we have and doing something with it. And and that doesn't mean sharing links all day long on WhatsApp. And telling and telling others how bad the world is. It's also figuring out how to solve the problems, and not be complacent. You know, not be, you know, not not become a just a, a useless eater. Um, tell us how your cat is. Oh, quickly, I see time's running out now, Catherine. But yes, um, cat is very cute. We have a rag doll, and uh, his name is Zazu uh, from the Lion King. Remember, Zazu was that bird. In the Lion King, so we named him Zazu, and he is—he's uh, very, very cute and soft and fluffy and playful, and uh, he's a rag doll. So if you want to know what what type of cat that is, uh, just uh, look up rag doll. I believe you have a—you've you, got a rag doll, haven't you, Galax? Yeah, you've got a rag doll. Yeah, it's a—it's a very—it's a very beautiful cat. It's slightly bigger than a normal-sized cat. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what Alex just told me in my ear. <laughs> I'm going to say that that Alex loves his cat. <laughs> um, so yes, so Zazu is doing very well. Um, he's not a full size yet, but he's doing well. Wow. Uh, do you call do you call vineyard farm? Uh, no, well, a vineyard is a vineyard. I just we just call it a wine farm or a vineyard. It's the same thing, I suppose. Um, but I see now that uh, I've managed to get through this entire show with your help. So thank you for, for chatting 
with me. Uh, tomorrow I'll be joined by Tim Noakes. We're going to be chatting about health, diabetes, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Send me an email, jimwarfare at tntradio.live. It's been an absolute pleasure. God bless you. I'm Adia. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.